The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, I'm Don DeLorente, and you're listening to the KTS Pod Daytona 500 in season preview. I'm here with three members of the hashtag Rampant Black Neckery Crew, as our first half, Miss Renee Bailey at RB128. Hey, Renee, how are you? I'm, I'm good tonight. It's RB218. No, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. Oh, you're okay, like, thank you for having me. Uh, my bad, my bad. A little dyslexia kicking in sometimes. No problem. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, next, I'm joined by my man. You can always catch him at the pole position, a.k.a. Front Row Kenny. What's going on, Kenny? Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks yep. for having me, man. No problem, man. Glad you could join me. And last but not least, of course, it's the good doctor, my old friend, Rick, a.k.a. Just Call Me Rick, or Just Call Me Mav now, excuse me. <laughs> Everybody's Twitter handle. What's going on, man? What up, what up, what up? If I can't go back to my fill in the lane days. What's going on, guys? I'm good, man. I'm good. So, of course, I'm Don DeLorente. You can follow me on Twitter, at Don DeLorente. That's the one Twitter handle I managed to get right this time. <laughs> and you can follow the catch the show here at cspn.us you can download us through stitcher itunes and any other platform that you use for podcasting so we're just going to jump right into it the nascar season is approaching us very rapidly but we can't talk about the upcoming season if we can't put a bow on last season as jimmy johnson stepped into the hall of the immortals as he won his seventh championship by leading the last three laps at homestead to outdo Carl Edwards to become, you know, the champion for 2016. Just a masterful job to get into the playoffs as he was leaking oil most of the season. And then him and Jack Canals found the magic, sprinkled the pixie dust, and uh, they came up big time in the final race. So we'll start with Renee. Just kind of give me your thoughts on Jimmy Johnson. Where does this put him? I mean, he ties, of course, Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty as the only men to win seven championships, but in a totally different era, much more competition week in and week out that Jimmy Johnson's had to face. So where do you rank him in the all-time greats of the sport now? I have trouble figuring out where to rank him exactly because you're correct. There's been no competition level like this before, but at the same time, the others didn't have near the kind of equipment he had. So I, I struggle with how to weigh everything out. And going back to last season specifically, like you said, the whole Hendrick squad was a step behind where they normally are. The only Hendrick car that won was the 48 and they happened to win the championship. So that tells you just how good the combination of Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson are. And speaking of Chad Knauss, I just think that the seven championships he has cements him as probably the best crew chief of all time, even though I have a hard time figuring out where exactly to slide in Jimmy Johnson. Hmm, that's interesting because, yes, the crew chiefs are – you know, much more valuable probably in this era than they've ever been with the changing rules and changing technologies um, and the advancement in the technology so rapidly and so fast. So, Kenny, I'll pose to you the same question. You know, where do you rank Jimmy Johnson and just kind of recap his season that he had back there? Well, I think last season for Jimmy Johnson necessarily wasn't his best all around. I know he won the championship, but Hendrick didn't really have the greatest of years they could have possibly had. But when it comes to really ranking him, in the far as the Mount Rushmore of NASCAR drivers, it's really hard to place him above Richard Petty or Dale Earnhardt. I always have found difficulty doing that also, like Renee said. 
it's like he's right there. And then a lot of people's argument is with the competition, of course, like you said before, how much has changed and how much competition we actually have now. And of course, the equipment. But the thing about Petty, though, was that he was manufacturer back. So he had the top notch equipment all the time. That was his type of thing. But Jimmy Johnson, it's hard for me to say he's better than either Dale or Richard Petty. But just overall, I'd probably just slot him at three still for now. Now, if he wins a championship this year or any time before he decides to finally retire, I'd probably go ahead and put him over one of one of the other. I don't know which one, but I think I'll give him number two by then. Okay. Okay. Rick, I'll give you the final word on Johnson and, uh, you know, seven-time champion. Just where does he rank in your all-time history? Well, listen, he's not better than Dale Earnhardt, period, point blank. I don't care. I don't care if he wins ten titles, all right? Dale Earnhardt Sr. is the greatest to ever, you know, put on gloves and, and hold a steering wheel, all right? So, that, so that's that. Um, it does come down to, I think, the competition is a lot harder now than it was definitely in Petty's era um, and even in um, Earnhardt's era. But so you have to balance that out with the fact that he has more resources usually um, than any other team, than any other program, because Hendrick is going to spend more money and they're going to have the best engineers and everything like that. I think what would actually make me move him ahead of, of Earnhardt. And, you know, I say that facetiously that he can never be better than Earnhardt. What would make me um, would move him ahead of Earnhardt to me is if he did it with another crew chief. Um, Earnhardt did it with different teams. He did it with different crew chiefs. Um, and so that showed that, okay, he's not reliant on, you know, the smarts and the cunning and, and the engineering and prowess that, that Chad Knauss has. All right. So if he could do it, and obviously this is never going to happen. They're never going to break them up. And why should they, you know, they won seven championships, but from, from me, it, it gets hard to, to put him at the top, even though, you know, seven championships in what, 16 seasons, 15 seasons, something like that, uh, 14, 15 seasons is, you know, pretty much unheard of. You know, he's never going to win 200 races like, um, like Petty did, but he's also not racing as many races as Petty did. And like I said, the competition is different. Um, but for him to be unquestionably the top uh, top driver and the best to ever drive in NASCAR, I would need to see him do it with another crew chief because I do believe that Chad Knauss is he's a damn wizard. He's absolutely a wizard. So that's my take on it. Yeah, my take going figure back on something that Renee said, kind of like giving more credit to Knauss than maybe Jimmy. It's kind of like. Um, Duke, how Duke is what I would call a a microwave dynasty or Mm -hmm. cable era dynasty. Like, you know, their dynasty has been basically, you know, the era of cable television. Now we're cable's almost 40 around that 40 year mark. Duke's like 34 years, 35 years, whatever, into this kind of run that they've had. So they're not the Kentuckys and the North Carolinas and the UCLA's where they did it, where the rules were much harder and, you know, people didn't get to see you. So you didn't be able to make your brand as easy. But you have to give the credit to Coach K for his just accomplishments on sheer being able to have the guy in the cunning and the wizardry, like you said about Chad Canals, to get this you know program to where it is because it shouldn't be a powerhouse in this sport considering its enrollment and the other schools that it's going against in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, that, I, 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 I agree even though I hate – a Coach K analogy, and even though that Duke went to the Final Four a couple of years before uh, Coach K was hired, but we won't get into that. Um, we'll give him, 
we'll give right. him some good ammo. But yeah, right. But but you know, on the yeah, national- I know, I got you, I got you. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that's why I kind of figured that Jimmy Johnson is. I mean, you know, he's benefited so much from being with Hendrick and, and, and being in the aftermath of Jeff Gordon and being on his team and just everything that that brings to him. But he's also done some things on his own that are, you know, fantastic. So you just have to give him his credit that he's the best in the time that he's racing. And maybe that's the best that we can ask for. Well, no. And, and you know what? The 24 team has had the same resources, the 88 team, the the five team has had the same resources, um, and none of them are doing it like Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson are. So um, it's not just necessary. You have to give them credit. You have to give Jimmy credit because he's the one that's making those decisions um, out out on the track and, and keeping the car out of trouble and, and making the right moves. And he's a hell of a race driver. He's a hell of a hell of a driver. Um, so I don't want to seem like I'm taking any kind of credit away from him. Like I said, I would just like to see what he could do if he was paired with another um, another crew chief and see if he can have the same results. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about a driver who did go to another team, did have great results with another crew chief, and then decided to step away. As Carl Edwards decided to walk away from NASCAR in the early part of January, there was a rumor circulating that there was a, you know, he had a big announcement and it might con- you know, concern retirement, but, you know, he just moved over to Gibbs. He had a successful season, just missed out on winning the championship. And, you know, it just kind of seemed like it was kind of just a big rumor, but it turned out to be true. So, Front Row Kenny, what was your first thoughts upon hearing the rumor? And then once he confirmed it, that he was walking away from such a prized ride that, you know, Gibbs Toyota dominated the sport last year. Um, just what was your initial thoughts and reaction and and just hearing this bombshell? Well, one word easily, shock. You know, you don't expect a guy who was literally at his prime to just go out and leave. I mean, I understand that last year how his championship hopes ended, and I still remember watching that at home, and that was probably one of the craziest races I've seen in quite some time, honestly. But Carl Edwards, I never would have thought he would have left so soon. I feel like this was going to be the year he might have won the championship, almost did, but then to come out excuse me, midway through the offseason and then say, I'm getting ready to retire, it's all a shock. I mean, the weird thing was he was taking team pictures. He was still with the team and everything. So, you know, you would never have ever thought that he was going to come out and say, it's time for retirement. And it's really shocking for somebody to be on a team of his caliber, Joe Gibbs Racing, and how well they are now. We've even seen it now in Speed Weeks this year, how good the Gibbs cars are. I mean, he's at an opportune time to win a championship, so it doesn't make any sense to me why he left. But if that's what makes him happy, I mean, by any means, do what you have to do. Right, right. Rick, I'll you know, ask you your initial thoughts about Carl Edwards stepping away from this prize position. Obviously, I was shocked. Um, and I figured that if he was doing it, he was doing it to go do another form of racing or to get into movies or something like that. Because you could always tell that, that Carl Edwards had um, kind of a star quality about him, the entertaining. He, he wanted to do more, kind of like where you would see Jeff Gordon on um was that show uh the Regis and Regis and Kathy Lee show and doing stuff like that you could you would always see Carl doing things like that so I'm thinking okay so that's what he's he's gonna go focus on that and then nothing has happened um and it's still early it's only been what a month or two two three months since he announced that he was retiring so there's still I guess we're still gonna find out what he's going to do you know going forward but it is shocking to see someone leaving arguably the premier program, the premier team um, on the circuit um, and just walking away cold turkey. Not that 
you know, it was a contract dispute, not anything like that. He had a great season last year. They weren't struggling. And he just walked away from it, cold turkey. And then, and so I respect him. Part of me thinks that, um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but part of me thinks that he is so health conscious and things like that, that maybe that stuff with Dale Jr. scared him. Because um, I've listened to, to, to Dale talk about how he, the symptoms that he had, and it would scare me. I'd never get back in a car again. But again, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But So maybe that played into it. Who knows? Um, you know, some people just, some people, they, some drivers that driving is all they know. Others are just, you know, driving is what they do. You know what I mean? So it's not, it doesn't define them. And I never thought that driving defined Carl, Carl Edwards. I just thought he was really good at it. And that, that was just a job that he did. Okay. Okay. Miss Renee as well. Um, I'll pose the question to you, but I'm a compound the question. So, you know, of course, I'll let you get your thoughts out about Carl Edwards and how, you know, the news hit you and, and you know, took you aback. But now moving forward, we'll talk about Daniel uh, Suarez taking over the ride, just kind of, you know, work Daniel Suarez into our conversation as we finish out Carl Edwards. Okay. Well, for Carl, I first heard the rumor before Christmas that there was a driver that was thinking about retiring early and it, it swore, it, the rumors swirled around Gibbs pretty early. So there was this list, like, could it be Kenseth? He's getting to that point. Could it be Hamlin? He's had some health problems before. And then it started selling around Edwards. And a month later, he confirmed that. But to piggyback on what Rick said, Carl has always been his own guy. He's very different. He walks to the beat of a different drummer. He doesn't live in Charlotte like 99% of, of all the other drivers. He's very, very reclusive might be too strong of a word, but very press shy or rather very controlling of how he's perceived. And for me, I wasn't quite as shocked as other people. I was surprised. I mean, he was basically one restart away from a championship at Homestead. But the more I thought about it, the more I was just like, maybe he just reached a tipping point in his career and he decided career-wise, racing is not it for me anymore. Yeah, he's he's never been 100% racer. He's never been like a Kyle Busch, a Tony Stewart type where you think you believe that this is everything to them. So I just think he made a decision that most of us make career decisions like it was just time for him to go. And there are so many there are a lot of rumors out there. One that maybe he wants to get into politics one day or it, um, possibly that Harris pushed him out to make way for da- Daniel Suarez, but he's been adamant that it was his decision, and he just felt it was time to get out of get out of the seat. As for Daniel <coughs> Suarez, I can't imagine being thrust into a cup car this quickly, even though he's been around for about a year or two, I believe. So it'll be interesting. He, I think they'll have to kind of take the first half of the year as a test session with him and see and kind of let him go with the back half of the year and see what he can do. Their goal, even though the 19 is a championship caliber team, I don't think their expectations can be the playoffs just because their driver is so green. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see his progression, his his maturation. Um, you know, Daytona really won't be a good gauge as far as if he has a fast car, he'll be in the mix. He probably will, you know, his experience will fail him at the end where they start doing what they do and the real guys who know what they're doing get up to the front, but he'll probably be a car that you see 
in the top 10, top seven, most of the day, just because he's going to be in a very, very, very good car, very fast car for the track. So um, before we go into our next topic, just Rick and Kenny, um, I'll you know pose that question to you guys as well. Uh, what are just realistic expectations for Daniel Suarez as, as being a rookie this year? Do you think that he can maybe do some pit strategy, win a race, and, and be able to finish a races unlike Chase Elliott last year, where he was so close to so many races but just couldn't, you know, uh, seal the deal, you know, coming in the last, you know, hundred miles or fifty laps, twenty five laps. I'll start with you, Rick. Just, you know, what do you think are good expectations for the nineteen car this year? Um. He's a good driver. He's a really good driver. He won the championship last year in the Xfinity Series, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he doesn't. He takes care of the equipment. Um, and so if if you have that caliber of car um, with a good crew chief and you don't screw up, then you're guaranteed a top 15, a top 15, top 20. Um, on the good days, I say he can get, you know, he can he can be consistently – in the top 12, top 10, um, and then you never know at plate tracks, he might be able to squeeze a win out or not, or something like that. Um, but I think he'll be, I think he'll be a good, it'll be a good first year. I don't expect him to make the playoffs, but I also don't expect him to be a back marker. Um, I would say kind of like Ryan Blaney did last year, um, except Ryan Blaney was a little bit reckless. Um, it took a few more chances. Uh, Suarez, doesn't take as many chances, but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's what I would say. Okay. Kenny, same thing. Uh, expectations for the 19 this year. Um, he's actually my pick for rookie of the year. I think he can actually do it. But the thing is, I'm not a hundred percent solid on him actually making the playoffs this year. And like you said, which you made the analogy to Daytona and what we've seen this week at speed weeks, um, during the clash, I remember listening to his radio talking about how it feels to actually be in the front or even be behind any of his teammates in the Gibbs cars. He didn't really understand how um, pack racing works. So it's like Daytona is going to be a toss up for him. And I don't think it's going to be the best way to fully judge Daniel Suarez. I think you're really not going to be able to say anything until we get to all-star weekend. Once we get into May and going into the grueling summer, then we'll really see exactly where he'll actually end up being. But I think he may squeak into the playoffs. He may be that last driver to get in, actually. So that's my expectation. But I think he's a really good driver. I like what I see out of him during the Xfinity Series. He's very patient. For somebody his age, he's incredibly patient. So I think if he takes his time and he wants to really work, which I can see from his interviews and how he talks, I think he'll be just okay. But this season may be a toss-up for him. We'll have to see. He's not gonna. I don't think he's going to win a championship or anything like that. But you never know nowadays. I just wish that Bob Johnson had gotten behind Bubba like Carlos Slim got behind Daniel Suarez. Because that's that's why he's in Cup now. That's why he was in Xfinity, and that's why he's in Cup. Because Daniel, I mean, because Carlos Slim brought Telmex and he brought Aris and all that money behind him. And so they were going to find him a seat somehow because he just threw all his money behind him. Um, And so if someone had, had thrown money behind Bubba like that, I think Bubba would be in the Cup. It'd be in cup racing as well too and i think he would be doing pretty well i think he's as good of a driver as suarez is he just doesn't have the equipment right and uh, I, think he, I think he's had some unfortunate luck though i think that's what the thing about bubba yes. wallace is he's just had bad luck he's best friends with blaney and what you say about blaney takes unnecessary a lot of unnecessary risk mm-hmm. and he's, he's also driving for that dried up roush team which i mean if we're going to be honest <laughs> um they uh, it's i mean great biffle quit 
Like, how bad are you when Greg, Greg Biffle just like, you know what? Yeah. I think I'm just Greg, Greg kind of got forced out. Mm-hmm. He's still looking for something, but he got kind of got forced out. But yeah, he yeah. was running around yeah. in the back, so it, well, he wasn't like he was a factor. Yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, but it's who crazy. Wasn't, who wasn't for? Uh, who wasn't riding around in the back for Roush? I mean, Chris Busher got that one fluky win, but I mean, I remember. <laughs> I can remember when they had, you know, when they had Carl Edwards and Mark Martin and and Matt Kenseth, and they were a power. And now it's just like, you know, it's 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 like DEI towards the end. Mm-hmm. Right, and I and I think they had a whole lot of power. I mean, I used to be a big Roush fan. I was a Jeff Burton fan growing up, so that was a five car team. They were the best team every weekend. They were with Hendrick. They were with Richard Childress racing every single weekend, competing. They mm-hmm. won, they almost won a few championships that way. But it's just so crazy to me to see Roush downsize their team and what it is now from what used to be a powerhouse to this almost small team. It's not like they're not funded. It just seems like they just don't have what they used to have. Yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, yeah, the, it's the engineering. It's not necessarily the money. It's the engineering. And if you can't keep up in the engineering, and we see it all the time, like last year, Toyota hit on something that nobody else hit on, and they were just dominating. And then, you know, you have to play catch up, and the rest of the garage catch, garage catches up. Well, it's been two, three, four years now, and Roush has not caught up on any of this engineering. Um, since the car of tomorrow, since they got rid of the car tomorrow, they've been like also Rams. And you can't say it's a manufacturer thing because you have Penske and they've been fast in Ford. And, and you, now, you have, now you have SHR in, in Fords and they've been fast this speed week. So it's not the manufacturer. So it's gotta, yeah, it's got to be something else because, I mean, if you got five Fords like that, I mean, hell, even Danica's up there now. She finished in fourth in the class. Like you have four major Ford, five, excuse me, five major Fords running for the top 10 every weekend and Roush is barely scratch, scrapping a 20th place win. I mean, not win 20th place finish every weekend. It's very unusual to see. And it's, it's kind of sad to me because I kind of grew up on Roush, but that's the reality. Like you said, Renee, they just are behind. Yeah, they're yeah. going the way of, they're going the way of Robert, of Robert Yates. Yeah, like, you're right. It, 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 oh, man. That, that, oh, man. that is, Regret. that is a big, that's a good pull. That's a good pull. I mean, I, when I started watching NASCAR, it was Mark Martin in the six Valvoline and Jeff Burton in the, was it the 99 X side? 99 X side. Yeah. 99 X side. Yeah. I mean, it was, and so it's sad to see like the, you know, the, them not being able to keep up, you know, or riding around the back. So, but that did happen. You know, it was also sad to see, you know, DEI, what happened to DEI and when Childress was, was riding around in the back too. So, you know, it happens. It happens. So everybody, you know, I think like what everybody's saying is what they feared a decade ago or 15 years ago when Toyota came into the sport was they would drive up the cost by their engineering because Mm -hmm. it's all about one team with them. It's not. Uh, 88 or 24 or whatever you got this little secret it's our little secret it's like if you find something we all find something mm-hmm. and you see it on the track and i think that's what gets people upset is you know if you can tell from like the first 15 25 laps of a race if toyota's got it or not because they all up there in the top five you know or you know top seven you know it's all toyota so uh, you know I, I think what you're saying is you know much more so what we're going to get with Suarez. He's going to have all the information laid out there. It's not going to be any secrets. So he'll have a good piece every week. Just keep it out the fence and bring it home. Like you said, take care of the equipment and get what you get. And, you know, it may be 20 at the beginning of the season. And then, like Kenny's saying, after the All-Star race, that 20 may start turning into 12th and 10th and 8th and get a good crew chief and a lucky break, some rain, 
and next thing you know, he's in the playoffs. Yep. Simply That's because he's in a JGR Toyota, his base <laughs> is probably going to be 22nd on an off day. Just right. starting yeah. out. That, that, I think that's a good number, actually. That's a pretty good number. And it's I kind mean, of funny you say that about Toyota in general, how people were worried it would take over the sport because of the way everything is. I mean, it's kind of ironic that it's the most American car out there. That's you know ironic. what? That's funny. The Camry is as about as American as anything else out there. And also, <laughs> also this, this is their 10th anniversary season. I used to work for them. This, I remember starting work for them in 2007. This is their 10th anniversary season. It may have taken them about three or four years beyond what they thought, but they're right where they want to be. And well, and, and, and remember the, um, the flagship Toyota team no All longer exists. All of them exists. are gone. Yeah. yeah. All you know, three of them are gone. Yeah. 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 Once Joe Gibbs said, Hey, I'm going to Toyota. It was a wrap. Michael Walter. Like, hey, <laughs> Eddie, slow down now. Slow down. That's, that's my seat. That's my seat. The family. Yeah. They, they definitely they are. Uh, who, yeah. who are the other two? The, who are the other two? Red Bull and Bill Davis Racing. Yes, yep. all gone. Yeah, they're gone. They're yeah. Gone. So <laughs> yeah, Bill Lester was on Bill Davis Racing for a little bit. Yeah, I remember. That. Yeah. I'm talking about people who have left the sport. We'll talk about the number one man who's coming back. Just like in pro wrestling, sometimes you know, how can you miss? How can I miss you if you don't go away? Dale Jr. Unfortunately, missed the last six months due to a concussion. Lots of speculation of should he get back in the car? Should he stay out of the car? Should he just go up in the booth? He's getting married. He's going to start family. So you just go ahead and jumpstart that and just leave this racing alone. And he decided once he got cleared that he's going to jump back in the car. And he got back in the car this weekend, qualified second, just missed the pole for Daytona. So, Rick, again, I know you stated earlier, maybe Carl Edwards, you know, saw this and, and got, you know, worried about the length of time because, of course, with all concussions, we got the diagnosis. Oh, he'll just miss a week or two or three. And then it became a month in two or three. And so, you know, things started swirling around. But he was open and honest about his recovery and what he was going through with his symptoms, like you said earlier, and basically brought you step by step through his process of recovery. So I know you don't think it's wise, but now that he's decided to do it, is it hard to watch a man go around the track knowing that, you know, the bump he took at Michigan wasn't that tough, wasn't yeah. the hardest wreck we've seen him take? that, you know, anything could be the last one. So I'd never, well, I won't say I didn't expect. I would not have been surprised if Dale Earnhardt Jr. had said, you know what, that's it, that's enough, I'm out, I'll holler at y'all. Um, because, like I said about Carl Edwards, I don't, and, and it just, I'm, I'm not saying that he doesn't live and breathe racing. I just don't think it's his life. I think that he's more well-rounded. I think he does other things that he wants to do that take priority to racing. And he said as much. Um, but now I can't, I, I can't say that I won't be holding my breath every time he has an accident. Um, Cause he talks about uh, how, you know, he would be dizzy when he got up off the couch and he couldn't do this and he couldn't do that. And he raced, he raced what two races, one or two races after that accident. Um, so I'm wondering like, when did these symptoms come on? Did he, just kind of ignore them and keep going because, you know, he said a couple for a couple of weeks, he thought it was a sinus infection. Um, so he raced a couple of races or at least one race after that. Um, and you also have to figure that if he has another accident, um, will he, will it spook him, you know, kind of, kind of like cold trickle, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Um, where, you know, he just, you know, he, he, he just lost the edge and you can't, it's like football. You can't go out there 
and play such a you know violent sport like football or do or race if you're worried about getting hurt. Um, and so I don't want. I would rather him retire than to not be the same driver that he was. I don't want him to go out there and be scared to put the car in 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 a position in a three wide position or what or whatnot. Um, that being said, I would love it for him to go out and and win the championship. You know, win five seven races, win the championship. Um, and then show you all the deuces. He told a very interesting and scary story um, about why he wasn't at Daytona. He said his first Daytona 500 he ever saw in person was the one he raced in, the very first one. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. And uh, he said that uh, the reason he didn't see his dad win was because he flipped his car in the Xfinity race and his head hit the A-frame, the door, and left a dent. And he, you know, did an interview and, you know, collapsed right before he got ready to do the interview. But he got on the plane, he went home, and he said he was like two more days before he got checked out, and it was like, oh, you have a concussion. Yeah, he said he was said he was working on his car, and he felt like the car started rolling, like it was going to run over him. And so he got out from under it, and he looks around to see, you know, who was playing a joke on him, and then nobody was there. And he was he just that he just felt that the car was moving because of because of his balance issues and everything. Um, so that's so his history. Yeah. So the guy might be he. It sounds like he's just prone to concussions. Right. Um, and if that's the case, man. So anytime that he has a wreck, I'm going to be any. And and full disclosure, he's my favorite driver. Absolutely, my favorite driver. Um, I'm going to be you know holding my breath every time he gets into an accident. Thinking, okay, well, this is the, this is his last race, you know. So, Renee, um, expectations of what he uh, will do this season, and do you think it's a smart decision for him to come back and race? Smart, smart decision can be debated for every driver in that field. So, I think you can only make decisions on your love of the sport and what you're willing to risk. So, if it's his decision and he and his wife are one hundred percent behind it, I have nothing that could go against that. I don't think I'll know what to expect out of Dale Jr. until he gets through Daytona and probably two, three weeks after that, kind of like a rookie. He's almost a new driver since what he's been through. He sat out a whole whole half, like one half of a season last year. And also, we're talking about all the concussions he's had before. That's just in the race car. He told he tells story of his party days where he hit his head coming out of a pool. So we don't know we don't know how many concussions he's had in his life. He's a little clumsy something, ain't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Jimmy Johnson told the story. He got out of the pool. There was this big party with a whole bunch of people. He got out of the pool. He slipped on something on the pool deck and he hit his head. And, <laughs> That's right. and yeah. So just things like that. We have no idea. And in general, the drivers who raced through the eighties, nineties and early part of the two thousands, especially the ones that are still around, we don't know because there are other drivers that say, I got out of the race car, I went back to my hotel, I blacked out, I don't remember it. So for so many of these drivers, we don't know what state they're in right, right. now. Yeah, right, because we're in the age of safety right now. Ever since, uh, I think that was February 16th, 2001. We've February 18th, 2001, 18th. it was my 17th birthday. Yes, yeah, my, my best friend's birthdays too. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So we're in the age of safety ever since that day. And, you know, race car drivers have been kind of exempt from this kind of CTE study just because nobody's actually come out and been, you know, forthright about it. The older drivers, you know, so 
but yeah, that would be very interesting to kind of chronicle, you know, the older drivers that raced when the walls were concrete. They showed a, a, a video of the 93 Daytona 500 during the rain delay on Saturday night, and it was just odd watching the cars go around and a wall be cement all the way around the track. It just looks funny. Like, this looks yeah. funny. Uh, there was a story that came out about Sterling Marlin not too many years ago that he had a Parkinson's like like um, disorder now, mm-hmm. and is that mm-hmm. is that because of the hits? Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. Kenny, I'll let you jump in now. Um, weigh in uh, your thoughts on Dale Jr. Um, his expectations and you know your thoughts just overall about him getting back in the car and you know living out his dream of being the best race car driver in the world. <laughs> well, I mean, him coming back this season was actually kind of shocking. I almost thought he was getting ready to retire because I remember watching the hit in Michigan during the summer. And like you said, and like everyone else has said that that hit really wasn't that hard. I've seen him take worse than that. So, and in this day and age, we're in a safer environment when it comes to the cars. I mean, the cars are the safest they probably have ever been of all time, a hundred percent. So it's kind of shocking to hear that somebody of his level for one thing is going through something like this. And I think it's actually important, but kind of sad at the same time, because it really takes somebody like a Dale Jr., a Dale Earnhardt, a Jeff Gordon, a Jimmy Johnson, et cetera, for something to be done and for people to realize that these concussions might have been a problem for a long time, but because Dale Jr. holds such a name, that now everybody wants to pay attention. And now we have a new concussion protocol, which is kind of confusing if you've seen what happened during the clash because drivers don't actually have to go, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that had happened. It was where Kurt Busch, when he took that hit interview and he didn't actually didn't have to go, he just had to ride in the ambulance. So it's kind of confusing, and I also think that if he wants to do this, by any means, do it. I mean, this has technically been his life, literally. This has just been him. He's been around the racetrack. He's been in the cars ever since he was a little kid. So, I mean, he has to take that risk. If that was me personally, I'm 21 years old, and if I had, like, 10, 15 wins in NASCAR, I had a good season. He's won a Bush Na- a Grand National, now Xfinity Series championship. I really don't have anything to lose. I know that Sprint Cup, or not Sprint Cup anymore, but Monster Energy Cup championship. Winston Cup. Winston Cup. It's Winston (laughs) Cup, doggone it. I was born into the Winston Cup. I was born in 95. (laughs) (laughs) I lived that so long. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen three different sponsors since I've been alive. It's insane. Like, it it almost makes no sense to me. But, um, yeah, I just think that I hope he has a great season. I, I really do, honestly. And like you said, I know Dale Jr. is your favorite driver, Rick, but I love him to go out on his high horse. If he wins a championship this year, hell, go ahead and retire. Be my guest. Oh, he, no, he said, he said he said he would retire on the stage in Las Vegas or New York or wherever they hold it. He'd retire yeah. right there. I don't blame him. Yeah, right on. I wouldn't. I don't blame him either. I would do the exact same thing. I promise you. I mean, those hits he takes have taken in his lifetime. I'm pretty sure he's felt quite a few of them. But the thing we all don't know is besides him and other drivers is the fact that how many other drivers are really having this concussion problem or are people just letting it go just because, you know, I guess nobody's really been paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Or that, that, you know, there's also a machismo thing that comes into it where they're going to be like, well, I'm tough enough. I can, I can, I can work through it. I can make it. And you know, that's just everyday life with, you know, obviously I work, I work in the medical field and right. men like 75% of my patients are women because men are Superman and they don't go to the doctor. So there's there's also that so that's why uh, that's another reason why it was so shocking that he came out because you know if it's happening to him it's happening to other people right. you know hell um what you call it Rex all what's the guy's name um damn it I cannot remember his name but he ranks all the time he used to ra- race for uh ah, never who, mind. who um you talking uh, about uh, Brian Scott 
No, not Brian Scott. Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm going to look him up. But y'all go ahead. But there, there are plenty of people that, that are are um, drive moving chicanes that they wreck almost every week. And you can't tell me that they don't have concussions. But they keep they get back in the car every week, every weekend. Um, and so he just had, you know, the like it, it took some guts to say, listen, I'm not right. Something's right. not right. And I'm not going to get in this car until I am right. Right. Because so many people just do it. I mean, he's also at a point now where he doesn't need the money. So that oh, helps. Most, most definitely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not, so he doesn't need the money and the sponsors aren't going to, aren't going to run away from him. Um, if, you know, if he steps away for a second, but you know, there are, so that, 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 that helps, but you know, I think it took a lot of guts for him to do that. Right. Right. The best, the, if you remember back, he was the one that started their very first con- concussion policy when he had that, bad wreck with Harvick in California and hit it for about five mm-hmm. months. He was that. the reason. He was the reason their initial concussion policy even started. It it ha- because it happened to him. If it happens to Harvick, do we even get that concussion policy? Yeah. I mean he might not actually. Right. I mean just like, you know, they had the deaths of Adam Petty, they had the deaths of um Kenny Irwin. Yeah, Kenny Irwin. And then, you know, nothing was really done and then, you know, they had two warnings and then you know, unfortunately, Dale Earnhardt died, and then you know, like I said, we're now in the age of safety where everything is made to be safer. You don't race back to the flag if it looks like it's going to be a safety hazard. You've got these tracks having to spend all this money, rightfully so, to make sure every wall has a safer barrier inside, outside, wherever a car can go, put a safety bar- safety barrier there. So, you know, I think that's just the kind of way NASCAR moves. They're like a glacier when it comes to. <laughs> those things where it has to be something so catastrophic and so bad to their PR that then they'll try to, you know, correct it. And then they're playing catch up as they found out in 2001, they just didn't know how popular they were. And unfortunately the biggest tragedy that they ever could have happened to them showed them just how popular they were. And unfortunately they haven't been able to recapture or really hold on to that since they've kind of been going down. That, that, I'm sorry, that wall street journal article that just came out was, very eye-opening on their struggles of the last 10 years. Right. I'm actually not even surprised by that article, honestly, about uh, Brian France not really, you know, having such a stakehold in the sport. It doesn't even really no show up anymore. He has no stakehold no, in the no, sport. No, he, no he, div- he divested himself completely. He only makes decisions. Uh, he, he divested to his uncle crazy. and his sister. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't think that's good for the sport, honestly. I really don't think it's a good thing. I, I do. I think you should have some chips in the pot, too, if you're going to run it. Yeah, so his sister you, owns like half the tracks, and then they have deals with the you know because the you know basically if the tracks said we don't want you guys, NASCAR would shut down because that's the way you know the kind of the deal is. The actual body is like is the promotion. It's kind of like a you know a concert or any type of event. The people who own the venue actually have all the power. And then the way that NASCAR and the France family tried to keep their power was they started owning tracks to try to you know offset some of the um, you know just outright hands-off approach they would have so they own you know like a third of the tracks now is owned through the fans france family through his sister and them so that's kind of how they can keep their stake in and all the money in the pots and and have you know their big say or like humpy wheeler and the, those guys would really be the guys who could make all the rules and hendrick and the guys with them real money they could just make all the rules to fit them but because nascar owns tracks they can hold their state it kind of reminds me of what's going on with the lakers right now you had the patriarch that ran everything, made everything great, and then it got turned over to the kids. And maybe 
the wrong person was put in charge or they just can't figure it out to keep the same level going. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, as I know Rick will say, they they forgot their roots because what happened was everything became a a, a cookie cutter of Jeff Gordon. You had to have the slick, (laughs) well-spoken, articulate, good-looking driver, and that was never NASCAR's appeal. It was always, you know, you could have one of those pretty boys every once in a while, Tim Richmond, you know, would come through a young Richard Petty, but it was mostly the old grizzled guys that, you know, had a beer belly, had mustache, wore cowboy hats, facial hair. Those were the heroes. When Jeff Gordon had his success the, the, and they found out how marketable he was, everybody started getting the cookie cutter driver. And I think that was kind of the downfall. And then they started going to markets that weren't NASCAR markets, California, um, you know, places, Vegas, places that were, you know, destinations, but not really their market. And that kind of started to downfall. Well, you can't really blame them for that because that was driven by sponsorship. Um, and people you know, going up to the tracks that they wish they had back. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, and so the sponsor is going to want someone who looks a certain way, who talks a certain way, and all of that. So um, that's who they're going to put in the car. Um, that's why, you know, you don't see um, the sponsors running up for Bubba because that's not what they're used to. That's, you know, they don't think he could be a good pitch man. That's why you see a lot of these guys who can't really drive, who shouldn't really have, shouldn't really necessarily be in a car, um, but they they pitch well. Like Michael Waltrip, you know, Michael Waltrip got to drive so much longer than his talent um, said that he should because he was a great pitch man. And Aaron would, would, you know, they weren't necessarily caring about the results on the track. They were caring about the results um, from sales and from the ads and yeah. commercial. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's what ends up happening with that. Where you know, and but it did. It got away from the roots. It got away from from the rough and tumble, you know, hard edged guys who worked on their own cars. And now, instead of stopwatches, it's computers and and all that stuff. Um, and so they they did lose a, a segment of their fans. Right. Yeah. Well. It wouldn't be a complete NASCAR off season, as they call it, the silly season, without some rules changing. They always have to. <laughs> so this year they decided to change the way that the races are run. So now each race will have three different stages, and the way that it's going to work is each car in the top ten of each stage will receive points. So basically, the winner will get ten, second place nine, eight, so forth, till you know tenth place gets one. Then the winner of each stage will receive one playoff point. So basically, we'll run a stage, stage one. The winner gets a playoff point, and he gets 10 points. So technically, he'll have 11 points. Then we'll have a second stage. Same thing applies. Whoever wins the stage gets the playoff point and 10 points for the championship. Then whoever wins the final stage is your race winner. They qualify for the playoffs, and they get five points, playoff points towards their seeding in the actual playoffs. So I know it sounds confusing, but basically Daytona 500 will be our first chance to see this played out as the segments will be a 60 lap segment, another 60 lap segment, and then the final segment will be 80 laps. So Kenny? David Gilliland. That's who it was. It was David Gilliland. <laughs> oh, oh, Can't okay. drive a bit. Okay. I guess he didn't, he didn't wreck himself a lot. He wrecked everybody else. God, I've been searching this damn internet. <laughs> Okay, I actually still I forgot, think you have the wrong name. I forgot about him. I no, forgot I about think David. You still have the wrong. I think I actually think you're thinking of David Reagan. You thinking about no, David no, no, Reagan. no, 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 no. David Gilliland. 
hitting kids, would wreck everybody. They everybody if you listen to the radio, they hate. I don't think Ray he was Crump. that bad though. I didn't think he was that bad. I mean, he didn't pull a Kevin LePage and merge into the middle of the field in the middle of a race. He didn't do anything like that. That <laughs> no, still no. blows my oh, mind wow. to this day. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I don't never, I don't <laughs> never forget about that. Oh I no, I can in... see it now in my head. I can see exactly how that whole wreck happened. Now <laughs> I was in middle school, high school, and this guy just pulls up. I said, "What is he doing?" And he wrecks the whole field and said, hey, yeah, I went on the blend line. In what world is Sorry. a blend line in front of another 35 different cars? Like, My bad. My bad, guys. <laughs> I, I, thought it was, I thought you were talking about Alex Bowman because when he was in a Dr. Pepper car, he was a wreck machine. I would just be like, get away from Alex. <laughs> and then Dale Jr. I was thinking Brian Scott. Of of I was like, wow, maybe he's got more talent than I think he has. But, um, yeah, sorry about that. As far as the race stages go, back to our original topic, that was a good diversion, though. Um, <laughs> what do you think, Kenny? It's kind of like, you know, watching an all-star race or watching, like, a Saturday night, you know, midget car race now where it's going to be, like, heat races and then a, a final. So what do you think? That's kind of where I got the feel. It's like a big all-star race every single weekend or, like, a small-town track type of feel where it's, like, the local stages where it's 50 laps, 75 lap segments. Like, what they're doing in New Smyrna right now with the late models, pro late models, et cetera. I enjoy that, but it's like that's what they stuck to, and I don't think they've really went away from that. You know, NASCAR over the years has changed, changed, and changed. Ever since I was little, I've seen the regular points, the chase, and now just flat out the playoffs. So I've seen it change, but I'm not a super traditionalist, probably because I haven't watched as much as some others that are older than me, but I just want to see how it pans out at least. I don't want to be automatically say that this is terrible. Because I haven't even really seen it in action. I mean, the class was a small glimpse of it, but the class is really just a glorified practice race, if we're being honest here. It'll be interesting to see, and I don't know how well people will pick up, especially like people who are new fans and haven't been used to the sport. That's the real interesting thing, because we all know the whole Monster Energy deal was, I guess, they're bringing more people that are like, I guess you could say like my age, because I don't know anybody that's 21 or in their 20s remotely watching what I watch, they look at me like I'm crazy 90% of the time. That's interesting. Yeah, I, that's definitely their demographic because, I mean, they're trying to make it like a party at the racetrack. I mean, they have right. all types of, you know, fireworks and, you know, women dressed in uh, very small, skimpy outfits. And, yeah, they're basically promoting the, you know, comes to the track and it's, you know, it's all the way live. So maybe that will be good for the, you know, experience at the track, which will make it look better on TV if people are in the stands and, you know, will draw interest on TV too, because when there's people in the stands watching it and you see that on TV, it kind of draws your attention as well. Renee, your thoughts about the changes to the race format. Are you for it? Are you against it? Is it too much? I'm not for or against it. I don't, I don't think it will do too much to the actual running of the race. The cautions tend to fall in about that general, general set anyway. I think it will make a little bit of a difference with the plate races, them awarding points at regular intervals, because we've seen time and time again, drivers had great days, get caught up in the big one, and they have less points to show for it. So it might help in that regard. Also, it's going to put a little bit of pressure on drivers like, I don't know, Kenseth, Johnson, ones that don't have a problem starting 20th, but they're running top 10 at the end of the race. They'll, They'll lose a few more points just because, they don't put so much emphasis on qualifying, but for uh, a racer like Kyle Busch, this is probably great. Give me a few extra points. Points. I'm usually up there anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
it it just seems kind of contrived. And and listen, they're going to be races like Pocono, Pocono or Michigan, where they just go around and around, and you're begging for a caution because the field is so strung out or whatever. So I understand from that aspect, but they just keep changing and changing and changing, and it's it it's almost it almost looks desperate, like they're trying to to catch the attention of people who really aren't going to pay much attention to you. Um, you're not going, it's going to be hard changing the format of a race to where you're awarding points at intervals is not going to get a hardcore NBA fan to start watching racing. Um, I don't think, uh, so it just, it, it, I know that, that the revenues are down and, and all this stuff and less people come into the races and all that. And I understand that. So you have to do something, but it just seems like they're, they're just wanting more lions and clowns at the circus, you know, come see the six legged cow and all that stuff. Instead of focusing on, um, all right, this plate racing sucks right now. Can we do something about that? Um, but that's, again, that's my opinion on it. Too much side draft. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. But uh, my, my thought about it is um, like you're saying, they're kind of changing it up, trying to get more people like you're saying, Kenny, to your age graphic because they think the races take too much the attention span is not as long some people watch a race in that kind of they'll watch some in the beginning they'll peek at it at the middle and then the last 30 laps they're all in so why not race the race that way hey because every part you'll get a little break they go up use the bathroom do whatever you gotta do and then we'll run another little short segment again you'll get another chance to take a break and then when you come back for that last segment it's like a hockey game <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it becomes like a hockey game where there's three periods and there's two intermissions and whoever, you know, you may be winning in the first period, but you may not be the winner in the third period. And now that's what a NASCAR race will be like. So, so, so question, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Um, on these, you know, these segments, are they going to be like regular pit stops or are they going to like take time like an all-star game to oh, work yeah. on the car? It's your, it's your own pair. What will happen is the, 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 you'll go around at lap 60 or whatever. Everybody will complete lap 60. They'll have a green and white checkered flag to signal the end of that segment. Mm-hmm. Then the caution flag will wave and the pits will open and then it's whatever you want to do. So you can go in or you don't have to go in. Okay. But if you go in, like... If okay. you go in, you're going to lose your spot, like, during a race. Yeah, obviously you'll lose your spot, but can you go a lap down? Yes, all of that stuff will probably be in place. Either that or you'll just start in the very back. You may not... Okay, like, so if I wanted to... If, because the market, there's still not much you can do. Uh, if it's just a pit stop then it's just a pit stop. You know, right. uh, like at Bristol, there's not really much you could do to work on your car. I thought that that's why they were doing this. So, you no, know, it's, okay. it's not going to be an elongated two-minute stoppage. Okay. Right? No, they're essentially like competition cautions like when it rained the night before. Got you. Right. Got Basically. Right. Okay. So Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> so with that it's, said, it's though, weird. It's weird, man. Like I, I like Kevin Harvick, though. This is right up his wheelhouse because, I mean, how many races do he lead <laughs> You know, the, the race is 300 laps. He leads 225 of them, has yeah. one bad pit stop, and then loses, and then doesn't have, like Renee was saying, all the points he probably should have got the show for. And now he can come out, win these two segments, and if he does have that bad pit stop, it's not so bad in the championship standard. You might want to say the same for Martin Truex Jr. with the, with the way he has luck. I mean, sometimes he can have a wonderful card, and just right. something just has to happen to Truex, and then that's it. So Listen, it could play in his favor. It could play in Harvick's favor. I was saying, I am a Truex <laughs> fan from way back. I knew he oh, wasn't going to make the final four last year. 
I didn't know he was going to get taken out. I thought he was. <laughs> you haven't been following long enough. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought you were Where I know he's go, he has a good car, and I'm like, that's fair. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> when is it going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. I've always felt like he was really good and has had like the past three seasons. He's been really good. And I, he's been like my dark horse in the chase every year. And I'm like, this dude might just win. But then something happens. Like last year at Talladega, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, that's, that's, I that's true. Actually. <laughs> I had to laugh. To I, like, I know. That's how it happened. Because you've been that's how it long happened. enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it happened. But yeah, yeah. sorry to hijack that. But yeah. It, I just... It's funny that you bring up Mark Truex. <laughs> transition into previewing this year's Daytona 500 as last year the bad luck started right at, from the opening race in the last three feet as he was edged out by Denny Hamlin in the closest Daytona 500 ever um, as we talked about here just a second ago the plate racing isn't that great right now just because the cars have a lot of side draft and everybody wants to get down to each other's door and you can't go anywhere and the guys aren't smart enough to if the bottom line is going to stay at the very bottom then y'all need to get up against the wall and nobody come up the middle <laughs> but they can't keep anything organized that way. So um, this year's 500, they've changed the spoiler a little bit, trying to give them less um, handling to maybe create a little bit better racing. It's Daytona. It's going to come down to handling. They're racing it a little bit later than they have. It's starting at 2 p.m., so it'll probably end under the lights or in the dusk this year with the cautions and and everything that will come as the race gets later um, in the night. So just go around the panel. Um, who are you guys picking? Who would you like to see win? And then we'll, um, you know, branch into this the season preview as well. So I'll start with Renee first. Um, who's your pick for Daytona based off what you saw at the Clash? And we're recording this before the duels, so we haven't seen the qualifying races yet. So from the last couple of plate races, I'm going to say it's going to be Penske or JGR. And this, this, and that's not going on limb, but this. The current package just reminds me of 10, 15 years ago where you have little pods of drivers that you need to root for. Like back then it was you had the DEI cars, you had the Hendrick cars, you had the RCR cars. And you basically picked your favorite pod and then you picked the driver out of it. But one thing I do I I do want to pay attention to is specifically the Fords. I'm getting kind of a Ford feeling, especially with Stuart Haas and Fords now. Joey Logano this past weekend in an interview noted how well he and Kevin Harvick work together on, on plate tracks. Now that they're both in the same manufacturer, they can work together even more. So I just, I, I get the feeling that it's going to be like a Keselowski type, especially because Keselowski got through the field with very little help on Sunday. So I guess if I got to pick one right now, I'll pick the two car. Okay. Uh, Kenny, I'll go to you next. Who's your pick for the Daytona 500? What do you expect to see in the race? I hope it's racy as it was during the clash. I think the it, the play racing isn't fixed. Don't don't take it to that extent. But I enjoyed the clash. I enjoyed the cars moving around. The the cars not being able to handle very well, except unless you're Hendrick, who for some reason can't get it right off turn four. Hopefully they fix that by the time we get to the duels. But either way. I think I'm going to go with a Ford this time, and I think it'll be Penske, and I think I'm also going to go with Keselowski like Renee because I hope Roger Penske can finally get that Daytona 500 that he's been waiting for. He's got a pole, but he just doesn't have a 500 win. So. No, he ha- he has a 500. He doesn't have a pole. He got the 500, pole? He got the 500 with Newman. Okay, so it is mixed. Okay, I did it. Yeah. Got it. But 
I kind of think that it's going to be a Ford that's going to win it, but don't count out Joe Gibbs. I think maybe one of those four cars might also be up there for it. All right. And Rick, I'll let you get your word in. Um, obviously, I want Junior to win. Um, Keselowski has quietly become like the best plate racer on the circuit now. I don't know if it's the car or no, yeah. and it's not the car. He's a, he's a very well, he's, he's a very good. Driver. He's, been, he's been very good at plate racing ever since he sent Carl Edwards in the orbit and figured out. Yeah, the yeah. and and he learned that on iRacing with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Shout out to iRacing. I just built my rig, so I've got it downstairs in the basement. And I'm going to go race. Oh, man, you got to have me on iRacing, man. Uh, I, I race too sometimes. Oh, do you really? Yeah, I actually do. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll have to get together. I just got – anyway, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> um, I, so Keselowski would probably be the, the smart choice. I'm going to go with Harvick um, just because I think the Fords, the Fords are really, really fast. Um, the the Chevrolet Hendrick Chevrolets have good speed, but it does bother me. Even though um, Chad Knauss was like, "No, nah, we got we got to take it out. It's no big deal." Um, they're just snapping loose for no reason, and and not just snapping loose. They're like uncontrollably loose. Um, and so I'm gonna go with Harvick on it. All right, my choice is probably gonna be Denny Hamlin, um, just because I think he can go back to back. He showed a lot of power uh, in the class towards the end. And him and Keselowski right now are the two dudes that I watch race and they're not scared to put their car in a real tight spot to go from fourth to first, just like how he won the 500. He had probably a fifth place car, but he took a chance that nobody else took that day and got his car on the outside and, and won the race. And ever since then, he's kind of been doing that. That's the same thing Jeff Gordon had to figure out. Same thing Jim Johnson had to figure out. Same thing Earnhardt Jr., if he has to come from the back and just doesn't play, you know, line him up against the wall and just follow me. Um, that's kind of what you learn to win these plate races is when it comes down to the last 25, 10, 15 laps, you, you might have to put your car in a spot you normally wouldn't put it in, but it will win you the race. So I think Denny Hamlin has that going for him with his teammates. I really like to see Kyle Busch get it since that's the only race he really hasn't won yet. But, you know, I think his time will come. It may be a good feel good story for him later on in his career. He can turn out to be like Dale Earnhardt, get some sympathy after people have hated him for 15, 20 years that he doesn't have the 500 wins. So that's what I expect to see on Sunday. And that was just over to just the season as a whole, as Daytona is its own season in itself. It's just the overall, you know, other 41 races that we're going to have, um, you know, who do you want to see get some wins and who do you want to see that, you know, win the championship will be the, you know, question that I pose. So I'll start with uh, Renee this time, you know, kind of what do you want to see play out this season? I don't think the racing was terrible last year, so I want to see pretty much on the same path of last year. I'd love to see, I'd love to see Junior win, obviously, more than once, preferably. Um, I'd like to see Casey Kane turn it around. I don't know what's happened, happened there. He's been, and also ran for basically the last couple of seasons. That car is cursed. That car is cursed. Um, It's it's something wrong with it. I mean, the only person that's been able to get that car to run well was Mark was Martin. Terry, Terry Labonte got it. Yeah, like Terry Labonte, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Mark. And Mark. But, yeah, I'd like to see some, something good happen there. Um, I'd kind of like to see Daniel Suarez win just to see see how people would react to it. <laughs> the social anthropologist in me just kind of wants to sit back Put and some. see that reaction. Besides the checker play? Yeah. 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 So, I... Gosh, I, but let's, 
But for a championship, honestly, I want to see Denny Hamlin win it. I, I think he's had he had he's had a better career than most people realize. And I think him winning a championship would really force people to go, oh, this guy's been pretty good for a pretty substantial amount of time. So okay. that's kind of how I feel. Okay. Rick, your season expectations? Um, I, I think last year that the re- the um, the racing was decent. The racing was really good. Um, it's better than it was, you know, where you couldn't get within five feet of someone without your car pushing up the racetrack. So I can appreciate that. Um, I'm going to say – that the breakout driver this year is going to be Chase Elliott. Um, he's a really steady guy, doesn't get into a lot of trouble, um, and now he's got the experience. Um, I could see him winning, winning three or four races, uh, and I could also see him making the Final Four. Um, so that would be my dark horse to win the title. And obviously you've got, you've got your Keselowskis, you've got your Kyle Bushes, your Jimmy Johnsons that are going to be, you know, that are going to have – Oh, but I think that I really think that um, that Chase Elliott is going to have a breakout year this year. Okay, Kenny, your season expectations and some guys you'd like to see win some races in the champion this year. Um, just to piggyback on what everybody said from last year, I do actually think the racing was okay, a lot better than it has been in the past. I was more entertained by the season last year than I have been in a little while. But this season, I just want to see a good product on track. Period. I just want to see good close racing all the way through until November. But I think far as my guy that I want to do pretty well and I think will continue is Kyle Larson. He had a great season last year. I was so happy when he finally got that win in Michigan. So I think he may continue that same type of momentum going into this year. I hope he really does because I think he's a really talented driver, period. It's, it's hard to get those wins, man, when but, you got to put that car up against the wall to be fast with it, man. That's what I like about him. He doesn't care. He's at the wall. He's at the wall, man. I love it. <laughs> y'all, don't, y'all don't remember Harry Gantt. I'm wide and handsome, boy. All right, all right. I might be young, but I've seen some tape on Harry Gantt. I hear you. I hear you. And you know what? 100. There is something, and and I like it when Junior does it too. Um, but I like a guy that will that's not afraid to move the car around, and and like I do like the fact that Kyle Larson always goes to the outside where nobody else is. A lot of time, it, a lot of times, it doesn't give you a lot of room for error, um, <laughs> but a lot of times, it's the fastest way around. Yeah, man, and I have a, a loyalty to the forty-two car because Juan Pablo was my guy, and Lord Can't knows he gave him. enough racing <laughs> in that car. And I thought that Kyle Larson was cursed too because he'd given up so many races in the forty-two in his young career. But yeah, like you said, I was glad that he got that one at Michigan, and he had a different confidence to him uh, throughout the rest of the season that I think will carry over in this year as well. Um, my choice is I always the guy who wants a storyline. So I want it to be Dale Jr. I want him to just go on a tear, have a season like he had. And I think it was 2003 where he won like five races and finished third in championship this year, you know, have those same numbers, but with this new format, he would win the championship going away. So that would be, you know, what's funny is, is the year that they installed the chase. Okay. If they'd have had it the year before, Dale Earnhardt Jr. would have won the championship. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Right. If he if they would have if he wouldn't have got knocked out in the in the first race, uh, was it two years ago now, he would have won that year because his finishes were better than everybody yep. else yep. in the chase. And I, and I'll never forgive Carl Edwards for wrecking him in Atlanta 
Um, <laughs> what year was that? When 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 Matt Kenseth won? But anyway, uh, yeah. I, I hold grudges. The thing that the thing that I said, <laughs> Junior, and every time I see one of these cars, I always shake my head and go, "Man, that's the best NASCAR they ever had." Was the 2099-2001 Monte Carlo SS was the best race car Chevy ever made, and Dale Junior could drop the hell out of those things. And when they went mm-hmm. to the car tomorrow, he just didn't get it, Mm-mm. and he did. He was lost, and he didn't get it back until they went to this new car. Now that's more like an old school car. I can't stand that car tomorrow. I couldn't either. <laughs> I can. I hated it. It was so weird to me because. I know I didn't live through a lot of the original stock car, but what I was used to seeing in all the little Hot Wheels I have, I was used to that. Then they threw a ugly ass wing on the back of it and said, "Here you go. This is safer. This is newer." It looked bad. I hated it. It I looked just terrible. Stand it. And then yeah, I mean, it looked terrible. Then we found out they took off like airplanes when they got turned around, and it was like, "Oh yeah, we got." Yeah, that too. <laughs> just ask Carl Edwards about that one. You know, <laughs> like it's crazy. And as far as my breakout driver this year. I'm usually it would have been Carl, uh, Kyle Larson just because he hadn't won anything, but I don't really know this year. I mean, I, I think it would probably be more in the Xfinity. I'd like to see Bubba Wallace absolutely you know, get a couple of wins, uh, show some growth, show some. You know, last year was his first year in the series, so you know, show that he's got some experience. He's learned how to take care of his equipment and you know, to run hard at the end of the races and not really so much in the beginning and the middle to get these wins instead of you know fading out towards the end of the races so that's kind of would be my breakout guy i'd like to see this year it's just bubba wallace and breakups and wins and xfinity compete for the championship and you know maybe get some people to look at him to come to cup i think he's on his way it's just not the time for him to be in cup just yet so yeah. i think it's not a good route for him because i don't want yeah. him to come to bs team i want him to come and have like rick was saying have somebody that's got some money that can put some smoke up underneath them and right. get him four years to figure it out if he needs four years to figure it out yeah, I don't want him to go to Roush and be with the same equipment because I was a little upset when he moved from Joe Gibbs. I mean, excuse me, from yeah, from Joe Gibbs to Roush. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. But their Xfinity program has been it's been OK at best, but it hasn't been anything like crazy. So I hope he has a better season because I felt like if it wasn't for Phoenix, he might have been in that final four in Homestead. Right. Right. So um, Daytona 500 is this Sunday, 2 p.m. Uh, you can definitely follow the hashtag, hashtag rampant black neckery crew to get my thoughts on the 500. Um, that's basically what I call all the black NASCAR fans on Twitter that love to talk about racing and are afraid to talk about racing. So at this point, I just like to give everybody a chance to give some shout outs so everybody know where they can follow them on Twitter. So we'll start with Renee. Renee, give everybody your Twitter handle since I won't be able to botch it this time if you do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can follow me at RB218 on Twitter. And thank you for having me on again. No, no problem. No problem. Front Row Kenny, let them know where they can find you, man. <laughs> you guys can follow me on Twitter at Front Row Kenny or Kenneth Lee. And thanks for having me, man. This has been a fun discussion. Oh, man, I appreciate you being able to come. And uh, to my point guard, Dr. Rick, man, let him know what's up. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Just Call Me Mav. Um, yeah, and uh, free Ed Coda. <laughs> By the way, uh, Duke and Syracuse are, uh, they were tied. Never mind. Duke's winning now. Anyway. <laughs> Once again, I am Don DeLorente. You can follow me at Don DeLorente. You can follow the show at KTS Pod. And for my guest tonight, Renee. For the good Dr. Rick and Front Row Kenny, I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score on the Daytona 500 and NASCAR season.